You're listening to Flipping Tables on Sunrise Robot. Find out how you can support us at sunriserobot.net slash support. Hey, welcome to Flipping Tables, episode 110. I'm one of your hosts, David Lyons. And I'm your other host, Michael Edwards. And uh, Mike... How about Mega Man 2? I completely agree. Totally and completely. So we did another live stream. Yeah. And, so uh, soon. Too so, soon? <laughs> not too soon. I don't want to give anyone the impression that this is absolutely going to be on a regular schedule because that's just bananas. <laughs> I mean, you stream pretty regularly, but as as Michael, not as Sunrise Yeah, Robot. and it's much less of a production. It's like, eh, I gotta play something and maybe <laughs> crack some jokes for a while and then quit whenever I feel like it. It's not very structured. <laughs> no. Um, I do enjoy your commentary, though, because I miss Final Fantasy IV, and that's the game you're playing right now. But yeah. So we, we did uh, 108 Plus Crazy Title Hilariousness, and uh, we had Benji, who's been a guest a few times, and a mm-hmm. supporter of the network on, and we also had uh, Matt of Bits and Pieces fame was all he flew in from Germany just for this, <laughs> literally for no other reason. That and Mega Man Two. No, uh, we didn't play <laughs> Mega Man Two, but we played, uh, you know, Belmont's Quest, uh, Simon's Quest, <laughs> not Belmont's. All of them are arguably Belmont's Quest till you get to the weird Game Boy Advance ones. Um, <laughs> and that game is terrible and it, it was more grindy than it had to be because we were following a guide which was probably the most efficient way to beat the game but not the most interesting way to watch the game well and i will say in in the defense of grinding if you are playing through grinding it's really awful but if you're watching four people complain about the grinding like that's kind of what you go to a let's play floor <laughs> yeah. is, is a floor four 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 it's what you go for four on the floor yeah exactly it's 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 people complaining about video games because most people are not awesome enough to do something so awesome in the game that you're like <laughs> whoa that was amazing like it's just a lot of sitting around with your buddies yeah, what a horrible night for a curse. We also played <laughs> uh, Super Mario World, which is arguably the best. Challenge us on this if you like uh, <laughs> 2D Mario game, which, you know, 2D Mario games are better than 3D Mario games. So best Mario game. Um, yes, by extension. <laughs> and, uh, you know, all rectangles are not squares. But uh, <laughs> then we played some Tony Hawk 2 on the PS1, which is a, a glitchy graphical mess, but still fun to play. Uh eerily with no music so that our video wouldn't get monetized by someone else wait and who who remembered that who, uh, like right before we started i think it was matt was like don't let, don't play the music matt remembered it i discovered it on one of my other live streams where i played some tony hawk that my stream was instantly <laughs> like the next day it was like your stream has been monetized by music owners so, all right. So, as someone who who makes money off music sometimes and does some of these let's plays, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I don't know. Like, I don't know how much you get paid for shows and stuff. Um, but would do you like? Is that do you feel like that's a problem? Like, if they leave your video up, but someone else gets revenue, do you feel like that's a problem? It's not a problem, but for my live streams, I tend not to turn on any ads, and so it's adding ads to something I wasn't expecting to put ads on and so I if I, I want an so it's ad not the revenue stream. being funneled away it's just the fact that now there's an ad where before there wasn't yeah and so I'd, I'd rather not have an ad or at least have the option 
Yeah, that's fair. And uh, I think it's also fair to say that um, you and I are about equally mediocre at Tony Hawk. Benji <laughs> is like catastrophically bad. <laughs> and, and Matt just blew all of us out of the water yeah. by not only being good at it, but remembering like where stuff was. Well, that was the best part of the stream was he was trying to tell us what to do. <laughs> and let alone my capability not being up to it, I was also not in the mood. I was just like, ah, I'm just going to go, ah, this. Well, that was it was the last game we played that was in like hour three and four. And a couple of drinks in at that point. Got a, got a little raucous. A little alcohol number two. Well, anyway, if this sounds like a blast, uh, we have a link to the archive and to our YouTube channel in general, which you could subscribe to. Not a lot going on with our YouTube channel right now, but you never know if we're, we'll come up with an idea. But subscriptions are free, so yeah. you can just subscribe now, and then you'll never miss anything. Exactly. And if you have the YouTube gaming app, it'll let you know when we're live streaming. Also true. That's how I knew you were live streaming Final Fantasy IV tonight. Nice. Got a little heart in my notification shade. <laughs> Uh, a little bit more follow-up. Uh, we talked about Medium many episodes ago and had some also some hearty follow-up about formats and text on the web. And it turns out that Medium is planning paywalls, according to a BBC article. And uh, this is a little bit of the what we said was, well, they may never do this. They may just be nice guys forever. <laughs> and to be fair, you know, they need a business plan. They can't just host high-quality text for nothing, can they? Well, maybe, but... Um, <laughs> I, I was reminded of just the broader conversation of like, make this really hip platform and then pivot and earn money off of it and say <laughs> goodbye to what it was before. Um, it, it's a little bit like Microsoft's, which they had this phrase that they used internally in the 90s called embrace, extend, extinguish, um, which was how they would you know take a web and open technology, use it add proprietary extensions to it, and then go, ha-ha, everyone's used to our extensions. Goodbye, everyone else. <laughs> that was actually like a formal plan of theirs? Yeah, so the, the <laughs> Department of Justice found that language in their internal communications when they investigated. Nice. <laughs> I always wonder about that kind of, you know, like I've, I'm, I've always worked in academia until now I work for a private company, but we're super open private company like that's part of our our whole thing and everything in academia is susceptible to freedom of information act requests so nothing there is sacred yeah but it does always when you hear about a story like this it always makes me wonder if i'm sending an email to a coworker, like is this gonna you know is this joke or is this like offhanded comment gonna be the thing that burns the world down like <laughs> later on for some totally unrelated reason. I I can't believe I'd never heard of this. Yeah. Big in the 90s when it was one of the first major government smackdowns of tech, which speaking oh, of... wait. This is, sorry, embrace, extend, exterminate. Well, they use the, both. Is the other one. And that yeah. one's... Extinguish sounds like, oh, we put out your party fire. Like, you had a bonfire going in your yard, and we came and dumped sand on it. Ha ha. Embrace, extend, exterminate sounds like hugging someone and then crushing them to death while you're <laughs> hugging them. Uh, Ooh, Microsoft, calm down. The way it always works in movies where, like, someone hugs, and then it's really ambiguously shot, and then the hug ends and then someone looks down and notices they're bleeding. <laughs> oh yeah. The, yeah. The little knife jab in the side, yeah, but you don't the, know the who got hit. Or same with gunshots like the bang. Yeah. And then it's just two close ups of, <gasps> 
and then who's going to drop first. <laughs> it's just the, the modern Western version of the old fashioned, like two samurai, like run at each other and they clash <laughs> and there's like a big white flash on the screen and then one of them falls. And they're not facing the, each other because yeah, they exactly. went through. <laughs> yeah, somehow they've ended up 45 feet apart <laughs> back to back. Uh, and then Ninja Gaiden, which combined both because they would have that and then there'd also be someone with a gun that would, they would like do the little pan to the side. And the guy with the gun. Irene. Um, so speaking of government inter- intervention, which isn't anything to do with medium. I don't, is there anything else to say about medium? It's just, oh, they're going to monetize it. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, that's and, it. You, you summed it up nicely. And I made it sound extra sinister when maybe I'm being a little hyperbolic with the extend extinguish. Yeah, I don't think it's sinister. I think it's um, anyone who didn't foresee this kind of thing coming was just in sad denial. Yeah. And we'll now be super disappointed, but nothing's free forever. It either gets ads or it gets a fee or something. Like, Get your Medium Pro account. So extending from the, the Microsoft reference, um, we do have some government action with Apple, which uh, we covered way too extensively with a two-hour episode. But there's a little follow-up, and that's uh, the FBI filed their response to Apple. And so I think the 22nd of March is when the, the courtroom finally comes back together and the judge will rule and then... Whoever loses is going to appeal, I'm sure, so this will never end. But um, the FBI, basically, in their brief, other than you know answering all of Apple's arguments, they basically did a little, we can do this the easy way or the hard way um, kind <laughs> of rhetoric. And they said, you know, we thought this would be easy on Apple because it's only two or four weeks of engineer time, you know, ignoring the fact that Apple would basically have to create a new department to field these requests for the rest of time. Um <laughs> And they said, if you don't do this, we might just have to ask for your private key or the source code to iOS, you know, just hand that over so we can do it. And then that's less burdensome, isn't it? Um, which is God. It, all of it, So I, I, I'll be honest, I'm not just acting as an audience foil. Like I, uh, I was really busy with work stuff over the last week and I actually only saw headlines for these things. I missed all of this, this update stuff. Um, and this all just sounds like uh, standing in front of like a laundry mat with a baseball bat and saying to the guy who runs it, like, ah, this is a, this is a lovely little shop you got here. <laughs> Be a real shame if we had to take your private keys and, and your source code. Like, yeah. It's just, this is bullying. Like, these are it threats. Is. And uh, I, I was reading a, a side article about Lava Bits, who famously was forced to give up their private key, and they chose to just end their business instead, um, which I don't think Apple's going to do. Um, no, no, they do not have the same out. <laughs> um, but the, the court case is actually a lot more sinister in the Lava Bits situation because he was given no notice of a chance to reply, um, and he was not allowed to have representation because he was considered a third party and not it's like this isn't your court case you're just a third party um and just all these legal shenanigans such that he wasn't even allowed to properly challenge it and so maybe they wouldn't get away with that with apple um yeah, but, probably not but oh, sorry Tim Cook, you and your team of lawyers can't participate it's just like it just feels like overreach to me um which, you know, as the echo chamber is saying on the internet, but we need that echo chamber to open up and reach the public. Um, well, doesn't this kind of response completely... So 
saying we need your key that you use to sign code or you and or you need to just give us the source code so we can do this without you completely flies in the face of no man it's just about this one phone it's just this one phone we're never going to do this again it's just about this one phone it's about the the victim's families man don't you want them to get justice and then to come back and say like no man we just need to be able to do this forever give us the key we're going to be able to do this forever like give us give us the software factory yeah Um, and yes i understand people can change their minds and opinions over time but everything about their initial push on this was no, it's just this one phone. And now to come back with these threats that are so obviously, we want to be able to do this forever. Don't make us ask you again. Well, and that's the, been the press coverage is that this is now openly hostile. There's no, there's no friendly, oh man, come on, just help us out. Just this once. <laughs> <laughs> we'll pull out, we promise. Um, <laughs> sorry, I had to do that. Um, and I, even aside from that, I just feel like the FBI is showing a stupid hand though. They're just basically making it exceedingly obvious to companies you are now a security vector you should have believed that already but nonetheless (laughs) any product you design you are now a prime source of vulnerability um legally not just uh you know technologically and you now need to take that into consideration when you design new products and unless congress makes it illegal to uh, make a product that you can't access as the company um won't any company just move that direction like sorry convenience but now private keys are held by individuals well and i'm imagining all kinds of ridiculous workarounds like oh apple you aren't allowed no private company but apple is who we're really saying this to you're not allowed to sell software um you know an, an operating system you don't have the access to to which apple would probably go mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then they would make part of the ios setup process uh go into the app store download this app and that will encrypt your phone so the os isn't encrypted but there's this third-party app that we have allowed hooks into that's already mostly the case the os isn't encrypted but all the user data is well you know what i mean yeah like so apple could then feign ignorance and be like oh we're not selling it encrypted it's the user that's encrypting their stuff are you going to also ban private citizens from having private information because they're treating this like the contents of the phone are apple's responsibility and that's what i think is so weird about this entire thing is it's you it's not you their would, phone <laughs> and you would never extend this to the physical world and i I try so hard not Does to do this. Does the construction worker have to break into the house he built 10 years ago? <laughs> well, or is Hammer Mill responsible for the threatening note you write on a piece of their paper? Like, it, it's just, it's shenanigans. So I can, I'm starting to imagine a world in which companies find creative ways to make you, the user, encrypt everything so that they can say, whoa, we don't sell anything encrypted. Yeah. All of our stuff is unencrypted. We just make it nearly impossible to set up the device without them encrypting everything. Mm. Yeah. Um, so the other little bit of news on this before we spend an hour on it is that Obama weighed in and not directly. He wasn't talking. He was choosing not to comment on that case, but he was talking about encryption in general. And uh, he his, his basic points are the 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 common thing we've heard from politicians who either don't understand or are deliberately being paid not to understand um that 
his take is you can't take an absolutist absolutist view that there has to be some way to provide access, which we covered that. No, that's not how math works. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But uh, the other thing he said was, you know, he he basically said we can't fetishize our phones as if this is about like, I just love my phone, man. Oh, man, I worship my phone. I I love iCloud and iWorks. It's awesome. His his other analogy was uh, that everyone will be walking around with Swiss bank accounts. Um, I'm not sure I get that one. I think it's just like, you know, things out of reach of government is what he's saying. Um, Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so are there no other things that fall into that? Like, I mean, we have the Fifth Amendment. Literally, the entire contents of your brain is legally protected from the government. Yeah. So there's already precedent for under no circumstances that I'm aware of, and someone please correct me if I'm wrong, but under no circumstances that I'm aware of, can you be forced to incriminate yourself? That is what the fifth amendment's for. So we already have a precedent that you are allowed to know things that could help solve crimes and you cannot be compelled to cooperate. Yeah. I mean, the worst part of this to me is, uh, the, the fact that a third party is being compelled to do extraordinary things. I, I get like the, the basic legal battle of we have a valid warrant, which I don't think anyone disputes the warrant in this situation. Like, no. oh, they found the cell phone. This guy used it from work and they want to look at it. Yeah, valid warrant. Look at it. Um, the the, extend, the extended circumstances, oh, random, not random, but r- company that designed this phone in the first place. You are now an arm of government. Write software and do this. And that's what I, I just don't want to see that precedent. Like that's what can they not compel people to do? As someone who voted for Obama too, I feel this a little bit egregious from him because he was so highly regarded as getting technology and like having a robust technology staff working for him and with him. And surely someone on his staff said, uh, dude, this is not how math works. Like you can't, there isn't a gray area. This really is a dichotomy. Like we love to reduce everything to dichotomies. And now that we have a thing that's actually a dichotomy and people are trying to act like there's all this gray area in between how obnoxious and, uh, what, what surely happened is that someone, you know, there was an angel on one ear telling him like, no, that's not how encryption works. And there was a devil on the other ear saying like, but it's probably politically safer if you act like you're not trying to protect <laughs> the victim's families, right? I yeah. always assume these people have advisors that are telling them the facts. And then if they behave in a way that goes against the facts, it's got to be for some ulterior reason, not just because they don't know the facts. Yeah, and Obama's speech was a little less heinous. on like It, it wasn't as ignorant on the details. It was more like, hey, technology companies, we got to... Like, I get it. Encryption is uh, is yes or no, and backdoors are a bad idea. Is there any way to figure out some kind of process or, you know, where we aren't giving the government blanket access that they have to prove for certain reasons and for certain situations that they want access, and then you do something that gets us that info? But um, it's still a little bit of isn't can't you just can't you just (laughs) and that's i mean 
I'll be more scared if legislation starts actually weakening encryption, um, like actually saying you can't have secure products. Because that could be like, oh, you're compelled in this situation, but you can design your next iPhone to be completely impervious to these legal requests. But uh, Yeah, but what about everybody on this version and on and on and on? Yeah, only 100 million people on an <laughs> iPhone 5C. <laughs> Yeah. All right. We're we are seriously risking another full episode on yeah. this, but it is it is ongoing. And as much as we try to avoid, you know, the topic of the week or news of the week, rather, it's uh, it's it's kind of a big deal, kind of a thing. You want to shift gears to something completely trivial and stupid? Yes, like Mega Man Two. <laughs> <laughs> so no, man, that was like one of the best. Um, four is still my favorite though, because Mega Buster, but. Uh, I had this kind of weird thought, and and there's not a particularly exciting story to how this came about, but um, I think we, and by which I mean you and I, and and like the public in general, uh, we may be too hard on smart things that don't seem like they need to be smart. And the two examples that first brought this to my mind were uh, a smart toothbrush because really it's just an electric toothbrush that has like a timer or like you, it pairs how long you brushed your teeth to Bluetooth on your phone (laughs) or something like it's, it doesn't actually brush your teeth better directly. It's trying to do other things, right? Like around the tooth brushing experience. Yeah. Behavioral stuff. Um, gamification. (laughs) And then the other one was the smart cup, which, uh, many for baseball or (laughs) (laughs) see now some people would probably find that very valuable. You are about (laughs) to be hit in the nuts by a 90 mile an hour fastball. (laughs) You should probably move. (laughs) Um, but no, like the, we, I can't remember. I'll find it and put it in the show notes, but the, the smart cup that like tells you what you drank and like how many calories it was. And, we we tore that to shreds, if I remember correctly. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, for some reason, these two things got on my mind. And I think the smart toothbrush is actually not that bad of an idea because it's something so mundane that people just kind of are like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you had something that actually said like, hey, um, you you like you brush your teeth for like 15 seconds. Come on, man. Get back in there finish the job, you know, or, or like there's the smart, uh, um, floss dispenser that when you, if you pull floss out, it, the, it lights up on the bottom. So it looks like a smile. And if you haven't flossed for a while, it lights up on the top. So it looks like a frown cause it's a circle <laughs> and it, it's stupid. But for like a kid trying to like build healthy life habits or for an adult who's trying to also build healthy life habits after, you know, a lifetime of not having them, if that's what it takes for them to change, is that really so bad? Like, <laughs> can't we it, all just it, get along? <laughs> but I mean, is it is it worth? Is this a fanny pack? Like, is it worth not using a smart toothbrush just because it feels goofy, even if it has like a clear benefit to certain people? Well, I mean, I I feel like our criticisms were about implementation and not the core idea. The smart cup could be awesome, <laughs> which I think you've, you've explained. Um, but the current smart cup sucks for this reason or that. And I mean, sometimes we make fun of entire concepts being stupid. But I mean, 
my main gut reaction is ideas are cheap, execution is everything. And so <laughs> if someone puts out something worth criticizing, criticize it, and then either they or someone else needs to do it better. And that's why that criticism needs to be there. Are you thinking we, they should get a pass because they had a good idea? No, I feel, I guess you're probably right that really the people I'm upset with are the people criticizing the entire concept instead of the execution like a smart toothbrush like the i have like a cheapo electric toothbrush that all it does is turn on and off but once you've had it on and there's no timer or indicator on it of any kind but once it has been running for two minutes it it pulses the motor which is akin to like a little alert or a buzz and that's it just so you know like hey you've been brushing your teeth for two minutes you could probably stop, you know, sanding your gums down now. Um, but that's all it does. It doesn't log how long I brush my teeth or any nonsense like that. Um, but, I, you know, I, one of my things this year is like I'm, I'm logging more of this stuff. Like, I, I think I would actually be okay with that. <laughs> like, if instead of just making a point to drink more water, if my cup just kept track of Okay, you drank today. You only drank thirty-two ounces before you yeah. go to bed. You really should drink another glass of water. And even it, just uh, like a, an LED on the cup that tells you how many ounces are in it right now could be enough to be like you know what you poured into it. Right. And your app on your phone, which is way more customizable and updatable and easier to deal with, can give you the 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 health information about the substance you're drinking. Yeah, and this is uh, where I think... In a way, the smart cup should be a dumb screen for the the hub, I mean, yes. the phone. And this is exactly where I think a lot of this holdup is, is everything should probably really either have Wi-Fi built in or Bluetooth built in because I don't want to have like an interface on my cup <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or my toothbrush or my... Uh, floss dispenser yeah, you or whatever. show me things, but I don't need to do anything on the cup. Right. And then the other part of that is, uh, particularly with like the smart cup, I don't think we're really there uh, for super useful health data in terms of sensors yet. Because like a toothbrush timer, like that's, okay, we've nailed that problem. Um, you know, the, the dispenser thing, like telling me whether or not I've used it in the last day, like we've pretty much nailed that problem. But for someone who has, uh, you know, like diabetes or is hypoglycemic or has some other kind of dietary concern, like if, if you poured a drink into that thing and it said like, hey, this has a trace amount of peanuts in it and it's going to kill you because you're allergic to peanuts, you know, like the, the rim around the top, like lights up bright red. Or like if you are trying to watch your sugar intake and you drink everything out of this cup and then you you pour like another glass of soda in there and then it lights up red and you get a little notification on your phone that's like this is going to send you into like a seizure and you're going to die. <laughs> but the sen the sensors are nowhere near that good yet. But is that within reach? I don't know that what that technology looks like. I'm not a scientist. Um, <laughs> like is that Star Trek future or is that like oh yeah man like 5 years like there's some interesting experiments where they can detect exactly what is in something. I'm also not a scientist. <laughs> um Damn. my feeling is we have the equipment that could make those kinds of detections and now it would be about miniaturizing it and powering it. So if you, you know, do we have things that can detect the rough amount of like calories in a liquid? Probably. 
but could you do it in the base of a cup? That <laughs> I really doubt. Like I've, I've, I don't know if you've ever seen like a mass spectrometer that they yeah. they do like water testing on, but it's big. It's like the size of an oven. But there's also the case of like is even if that tech could be done, um, is it faster and easier to say, well, we can measure how much liquid is in there, and then the user can tap their screen once, and now we know exactly the substance. Oh, right, to say, hey, there's 32 ounces of a thing. What is it? It's Coca-Cola. I mean, that's not great for peanut allergies because it's like, yeah, I put peanuts in there. I'm an idiot. (laughs) But for health tracking, I mean, I know you want to remove as many barriers as possible because, you know, motivation is one of the the serious challenges with that. But, um, you know, implement giant stack of technology or smartphone app plus simpler sensor yeah i I think smartphone app plus simpler sensor would be where you'd have to start because i have no idea how far we are from you gotta pebble this first before you can android wear apple watch it or yes and i i think the other part of that is in the interim what you would want to be doing while you're getting the technology ready is also maybe building this into the culture a little like getting people in the habit of being like, hey, it's not that hard to track how long you brush your teeth. Uh, and if you want to keep track of your food, it's just a single tap away on your smartphone screen instead of all of a sudden being like, point the camera at your chicken and it will tell you how long you baked it. Because <laughs> that's like, then you're going from you know the Stone Age to the Star Trek future all at once. Yeah, And people tend not to handle that really well. I was just thinking of the camera option. Like if image intelligence gets that good where you could just say, I'm eating this. And like maybe you hold your watch up in the picture so it knows comparison, the size of your meal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a little banana pencil. for scale. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but what if you're eating a banana? <laughs> Just a picture of a banana. A second banana. Second banana for scale. I'm eating the left banana. Use the right banana as a reference. No, so uh, completely unrelated to the broader topic, uh, at dinner this evening, Susan went into the fridge to get some fruit, and uh, she pulled out these thing of blueberries, and they were so huge, I actually made her take a picture <laughs> and post it to Twitter. And I used a nickel for reference. <laughs> this one blueberry is easily the size of like a 50 cent piece. It's freaking gigantic. And it was not the one mutant. There's like a whole box of mutant blueberries. Uh, modern farming. <laughs> yeah. And she she was very nice. She did not include the the company logo or anything in the shot. She wasn't trying to call anybody out, but holy crap, these blueberries are like little blue tomatoes. They're giant. (laughs) But anyway, um, do you, other than your, your, your smartwatch and your pre-ordered smart pendant, (laughs) do you even, will you have a Roomba? Yeah. That's kind of a smart device, right? We don't think of it that way, but I mean, it's a robot vacuum. Yeah. And I mean, I would, it would be I, maybe there is a room, but I don't think it does any connectivity to networks. That would be nice to set its schedule and time from my phone instead of the Roomba, which is right. a classic. 
you know, secondary clock interface on something that isn't primarily <laughs> a clock, you know, whether it's your car dashboard or your microwave or your oven, it's like, hold this and press that and then tap this thing <sighs> to modify either the hour. Like, it's kind of like one of those interfaces. That's, so, yeah, I don't know if you've ever had to set a sprinkler timer, but that's what it's like. Because yeah. it's like, we gave you four buttons with which you have to do a hundred different functions. We've overloaded the operators of all these buttons. Um, yeah, it's, th- so that's kind of irritating. I mean, we, we kind of have it on a three days a week schedule anyway, and the, we just have to remember to declutter, like not leave any cords or anything lacy or cats laying around. <laughs> uh, he just follows it around and <laughs> stares at it. Have you gotten him to ride on it? No, yet? I set him down on it once and he just <laughs> he just ran out immediately. It was just like, nope, 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 nope. Um, but yeah, I get what you're saying. I mean, I, I would prefer to be like, Either, you know, okay, Google, hey, Siri, run the Roomba tomorrow at 9 or something and done. Or run the Roomba now or, you know, whatever it is. No matter where I am, <laughs> that would be I think, cool. I think the now is actually one of the most important connected features. Uh, like with the Nest thermostat, you know, like it's supposed to learn and set itself by your habits and it knows when you come and go and it sees you when you're sleeping and it knows when you're awake and <laughs> all those. It knows if you've been bad or good. Exactly right. All those kinds of things. But one of the the smart feature things like smart locks, like smart door locks or a smart garage is um, you're on a plane and you're halfway to your vacation destination and you just can look at a little app on your phone and it says, hey, Mike, it's okay. You locked the doors before you left. Like that's really yeah. dumb and really minor, but it's it's kind of not. Like it's that peace of mind has value. Like there's the entire security industry is sold on the fact that peace of mind has value. So, you know, if, if I could be far away from home and just be like, oh, man, I – think i shut the garage like i'm like 90 percent sure i shut the garage the oven off all that yeah all that stuff like that is even that without added functionality because even then at a bare minimum i could then call my neighbor and be like hey can you just go over and shut my garage like i just forgot even if i couldn't close it remotely which would be stupid to be able to check on well i was just thinking even if you didn't trust the security of these platforms yet just having the sensor to know if it was locked or not would be a big relief yeah that's true because then worst case someone else can find out if your door is unlocked but they can't unlock your door yeah yeah that's hmm I bet there's going to start to be more and more of a division of that kind of thing where there's the monitoring solution. Like, do I know the oven is off and the the tub was turned off before I went on vacation? And then there's the turn the tub and oven on and off from, you know, do I want to divorce those things? It'd be a nice middle ground for I'm not buying a new oven and I need to buy a new one if I want that turn on and off functionality. But I could just get something that somehow knows if it's on or not well even just like a smart thermometer that's in the oven so all that i'm getting is a report of the temperature if it's anything above room temperature the oven must be on yeah so like even you know that's a really technologically that is not a complicated solution um raspberry pi just (laughs) hundreds hundreds (laughs) of raspberry pies in your house in the tub in the oven in the fireplace garage uh, yeah, so 
as I was getting ready to talk about this, because this has actually been on the, the dock for a couple weeks, I think, um, I just happened to flip by an article today in my few minutes of downtime this afternoon on Gizmodo about how this uh, guy who happens to be a very successful security developer was in a hotel and he was like, oh, neat. They provided a tablet and I can change the lights and I can dim them and I can turn the temperature up and down all from this little tablet. So I can have a little tablet right next to my bed and I can do everything, turn the TV on and off. And then he just kind of started poking around and it occurred to him that there was a predictable naming scheme for the IP addresses based on the room number. Oh, great. And then he realized that, sure enough, if you knew the IP address you wanted to be acting on, which is also the room number, you could just spoof, and now you're every room number. And he, being a good guy, uh, immediately reported this to the, the hotel. He didn't screw with anyone, although I'm sure the temptation to make everybody's lights look like a horror movie was overwhelming. Why does this happen over and over with implementations places? Like, how do they not figure it out now? Like, the one thing that'll sink our brand and everything about staying with us is if people find out that this is not secure and crazy crap is going to happen. You know, someone's going to get murdered because all the doors unlocked and someone went around. I don't know. I mean, isn't this a side effect of, of consumerization where you don't need to pay a company tens of thousands of dollars to come and install a bunch of iPads? You just go buy a bunch of iPads. And then the default password is admin admin, right? Just like on every Linksys router ever God, made. They, they, they don't do that anymore, do they? They finally switched it and makes you pick something. I actually, for the first time in my life, have a non-Linksys router. So you don't know. <laughs> so I actually don't. I don't know right now. But I mean, but no, is, I know what you're saying. Like, yeah, and, and this is exactly, actually, now that I think about it, what I was saying Apple could feasibly do to solve their problem, which is, and I mean, this is just good security. It's not like I'm inventing this idea, but... Every smart device from here on out, no default username, no default password. That's part of setting it up, right? Yeah. So at the bare minimum, somebody has to put, you know, J Smith Baseball 2 as their, yeah. their login stuff. So you can't just go around trying admin admin randomly Unless someone stupidly manually enters that, but then that's on them. And you can do some of the trusted device stuff, like here's my two-factor auth, totally device I've in indicated and proved that I am the one using it. Now I tap this thing and set that thing up. Right. Yeah, that, it's on a wireless router. There's a name for that. It's like WAP or something. Yeah, and the new Apple TV works that way, so you don't have to type in your your stuff. Yeah, because that would be god-awful. Yeah. Type up with the little remote. You don't know which direction it's pointing. It's half touchscreen, <laughs> half buttons. Entering a password on that would be a nightmare. Yeah. yeah this, is, uh, this is the other side of my dream of the Star Trek future. Is The Star Trek future works partially because in every episode where there's a gigantic catastrophe... And Picard has to once again destroy the Enterprise. He says, you know, like, computer, destroy the ship, Picard, one, two, three, four, five. And it's really not his authorization code that's doing it so much as his voice print. And if I remember correctly, sometimes it actually says something like voice print confirmed or something like it knows yeah. you're you. 
you know, however it's, whether it's by your voice or there's nano machines in your brain or whatever is happening, like I can't as, you know, ensign number 64, just stand up and say, Picard, one, two, three, four, five, kill everyone <laughs> on the ship. Ah, like that's just not an option. And it's important that that's not an option. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, so yeah, the security needs to get together on this consumer stuff and, um, Maybe Google and Apple can make that because they're going to own the API layers on it, probably. <laughs> and uh, you know whether it's open source and just confirmed through the community, or or we just trust Apple, I guess. Um, the other thing I was thinking of that would be really nice is it's sort of the network effect for connected home is you know profiles. It's I'm gaming now, and the lights adjust, and the volume, and the TV turns on, and the console turns on, and like what was 15 separate actions by you to get ready to game is now of one single command. Yeah. I mean, I'm, that's the, uh, is it the first Iron Man where he wakes up and like Jarvis just does like open the blinds, tells him the weather. It's actually the girl asleep in his bed. Cause apparently Jarvis doesn't have cameras in the bedroom, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, it, all the, the automated stuff that you used to have to do separately, where you could just say, you know what, 99 days out of 100, I have the same morning routine. So just wake me up at the same time, play the same you know, music that I like, uh, put toothpaste on my toothbrush, get the coffee going. Yeah, you know. I mean, this has been like the, the fantasy for decades and decades. And it, for a fun alternate take, just watch the movie Brazil, because that's his home <laughs> and it all breaks and doesn't work, which is maybe the more frightening version of it. <laughs> Well, it's also a little closer to the current state of, I mean, not the horrible bureaucracy that results in the end of his life, but, yeah. but the, uh, we have the technology to make the blinds go up and down is a, a, a motor. Like it's not, yeah. it's not freaking witchcraft. So I feel like we have already the technology to do all these things. The problem, and I don't want to sound too much like a, uh, like I'm feeling the burn, but the problem is capitalism has prevent these people from agreeing on one thing and just actually making it happen. Like if we had to design the internet today with technology companies, we would never get HTTP. We'd have 50 different versions of the internet and nothing would be able to talk to each other. Yeah. It would be like AOL and Prodigy, but forever spanning in all directions. <laughs> we need a new ARPANET project. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I love that there's companies like Apple and Google that are able to do amazing things and also turn a profit. Like, I don't begrudge them, but sometimes you need standards and otherwise you can't do these things unless you completely buy into one ecosystem and no one is ever going to do that. Yeah. I mean, God, even Paul Therott uses an iPhone sometimes. <laughs> even Donald Trump still uses an iPhone. <laughs> um so we talked about, you know, walking in the room and your theme song plays, but now does it need to be <laughs> disco lights and a, a crystal ball drops down? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Or just when your friend shows up and he's like, ah, damn it. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I would set up for different people random weird things to happen. <laughs> Especially if you could randomize it, because then you could get into like a Skinner box situation. Where it's like sometimes <laughs> when I come over to your house, it plays cool music, and then other times there's nothing, and it's just like uh, it, it's it just knows, crickets. <laughs> it, it knows when you're you're in a good mood, so it's only going to play cool music if you're in a good mood. Just mess with them. They come over and it's ten hours of Jeff Goldblum, Goldblum <laughs> laughing. <laughs> Yikes! I've been Englishing a lot of words. 
completely. Um, so here's something else that is existing technology that I hate. And I kind of just want to know how you solve this problem, but I, I am frightfully sure you're going to say, yeah, I don't do that. <laughs> uh, so let me tell you my current setup. I have uh, my, my laptop. Uh, Susan has a laptop. Uh, about the home, there's a couple of tablets and we have smartphones. Um, then there's a couple of game consoles that are, you know, capable of media things. Um, I think that's everything. Jesus Christ, <laughs> we have a lot of crap. Um, but then in the center of it all is a little crappy machine that I built from parts and it runs Windows 7 because it can't upgrade to Windows 10 for reasons that are not clear to me, even though it keeps <laughs> trying. And all that that machine exists to do is these two things. It is a place for us to store stuff that is then backed up with Backblaze, right? So I can put all my photos there and Susan can put all her photos there because it's a shared place that we both have access to. And it serves media in theory because <laughs> I do not believe we have ever actually used it for that purpose because I don't know if it works for sure or not. Yeah. So my question is, why do I have this dedicated computer in my house that <laughs> is not optimal for the thing it's actually being used for? And how do you solve the backup our stuff and have a media server problem? Yeah, I don't have a media server at all. <laughs> um, we stream all the things from cloud services, Netflix and Hulu, 99% Netflix occasionally a rental through iTunes or something. Um, and then my, I have a, it sounds like you just need a hard drive and then maybe you need a router <laughs> that lets you hook the hard drive to the router, right? Or like, is that all you need? <laughs> it sounds like you just need a hard drive. I mean, I just have a hard drive attached to my iMac and then Backblaze is running on the iMac and it includes all attached drives. Now right. you just, you don't have a, a desktop you just have you have a laptop so that's not going to work this for is you. the closest thing to a desktop in the house is this headless windows box <laughs> uh yeah i don't know is that the best answer is get a hard drive and does your router let you does it have usb can you hook up a drive to it i can but i wouldn't be able to make backblaze talk to that because it would appear as network attached storage which uh, i mean that's a specific implementation detail but that's something backblaze specifically and will not allow you to do you're storing things on this drive and on this entire pc because <laughs> you don't want it on your laptop because limited space extra noise work well, laptop well uh this is actually where it starts to show how pointless this all is <laughs> like the endeavor and futility because the reason I, I started thinking about this is not because it's hurting anything sitting over there, but uh, when I built it several years ago, um, I didn't hook up the fan controller right, so the fan is just going at full speed all the time. <laughs> uh, it is a testament to the quality of this microphone that you can't hear it because it's humming just like eight feet away from me right now. Um, but I looked at how much stuff is stored on it and including um, all of the video I took while I was on my honeymoon, uh, all of the Sunrise Robot audio that I have mixed that I'm keeping backup copies of, and then all of my photos and documents and things that are, are particularly important to me to store, 
we're talking like 30 gigs. Like <laughs> I could easily fit it on my laptop hard drive and not think twice about it. Yeah, but every time you reformat or switch machines, that's 30 gigs you're moving around. That's right. It's annoying. Um, but I, if I had like one of those Western digital MyCloud drives that just sat on my desk. and then I had I, one like, of those. I don't know if they've changed, but I hated it. Oh, I've, I've had a couple that I was happy with. Okay. But if I had something like that that was on my desk that I attached to my Mac occasionally then Backblaze would just go, oh, there it is, and it would back stuff up. So as long yeah, as I you just have that to once a do month. At least once a month, I think, or else yeah. it dumps what it doesn't see. Yeah, I think it's every 30 days. But even that would be a fairly serviceable solution to this problem. <laughs> Especially, I don't know if, do you have like a dock set up so that all your stuff at your desk remains hooked in so that you literally just set no, your laptop down? I need to. That's another one of those things that I'm like, I don't need this convenience in my life, but is it, it might be worth the $80. Well, if you, if you go to the hard drive approach, there'll be one more cord you don't want to be at, yeah. pulling in. And Well, and like right now, I have the audio interface hooked up. I have my monitor hooked up. I have power hooked up. I have uh, the Ethernet hooked up. Yeah. It's just, and that's not everything I could potentially have connected, right? Because, you know, everything's wireless nowadays. There's only six wires. I mean, is the dream of running a, a whole PC for this purpose that you're going to, you know, rip all the content you own yes. and store it and like you're going to have this Plex thing going everywhere I, in the house? I think that's exactly what I'm imagining my life would be like is like, oh, I'll back up all of my DVDs and Blu-rays and then I'll have high quality rips. So even if it is something that's available on Netflix, I can watch this, you know, because Susan really loves special features on on certain movies and stuff. So we would have access to all those things because they're never going to retcon that on a Netflix. Like, I never say never. I bet they'll get to it. it it's going to be a while. <laughs> I can imagine them doing it going forward. I think it's going to be unlikely that anytime soon they will do it for existing movies. Yeah. Like well, the Lord of the Rings is on Netflix, but not the 30 hours of special features, or at least I don't think so. Yeah. Um, but I, I have this like dream of, Oh, I'm going to put all, I'm going to rip all this stuff. And, or maybe I would just be lazy and torrent it, but I have the thing. So I don't care. Like it's the same difference. Um, but in what, even in the <laughs> fantasy universe where I have the discipline to do this, um, is that also the fantasy universe where I have time to watch these movies? Like, am I really just sitting around watching hundreds of hours of old movies? Probably not. Like yeah. I barely have time to get to the things that are on like my number one. I must watch this priority list. Like I had to watch a couple episodes of, uh, of house of cards while I was waiting for a meeting to start the other day. <laughs> like I was watching it in chunks, like before meetings. Cause that was the only time I could find. And I was like, I need to know what happens. Yeah. I'm definitely not going back and watching, you know, childhood favorites over and over. Cause I just, I would love to like, that would be fine. But who can prioritize that? Not who has the time that's obnoxious, but like, I can't make those things a priority. When it comes down to also the, the time investment versus the other option is no time willing to spend money. Like, <laughs> you know, any movie other than brand new early release crap is going to be at most maybe $6, but probably less. And it's like, 
yeah, I don't want to rent movies all the time, but again, I'm not watching movies all the time. And the one time I don't have to implement a media server and keep it running just for that one night when we sit down and go, time to watch Stopwatch or whatever, Spotlight or (laughs) (laughs) any movie. I I mean, I think this is, I'm certainly not buying new movies, new physical copies of movies, so I've at least stopped the bleeding (laughs) Um, every once in a while, like... Because Susan is is really like this is all features. Susan's fault, is what you're saying? <laughs> no, it's because she introduced me to special features, so I feel like it's her fault. Because she only watches special features on like Pixar movies and like The Lord of the Rings, like where they're good, where they're actually worth watching. And it wasn't until extremely recently that Disney started including that stuff in the digital version. But that's just Disney. You know, they're not necessarily yeah. going to do that for all their properties, let alone all the other companies in the world do that. But I just, I don't need to own everything. Like I'm, I am totally comfortable with the agreement I have with Netflix that sometimes they lose stuff from their library and okay, I didn't own it to begin with. So whatever. Um, but if I do own something, then I want it to be as like ubiquitous and accessible as possible. And right now I feel like I have a bunch of little plastic coasters that are dead to me <laughs> and just a place for dust to land. So I guess the one-time effort of digitize that stuff and never buy anymore, and maybe... (laughs) Right, and so then this brings me to the question of, if I'm going to live in this world, do I keep the always fan-blasting media server? Do I I go Synology (laughs) or QNAP? I'm not familiar with those. They're they're network-attached storage, but the, the thing that makes them significant, and I'm sure there are others... Uh, is that they work with Plex. And if you're going to have all of your movies on a hard drive in a closet, you really, really need to be able to stream them. And we're <laughs> we're a Chromecast family, Mike. <laughs> and Plex works with Chromecast. So I'm that means, Dapper Dan, man. <laughs> I am Dapper Dan. So that means anywhere in the house that I have a Chromecast hooked up to the, the two televisions. It's not like we live in a 10,000 square foot house, but... <laughs> Anywhere in the house that there's a Chromecast, I can just be like, give me this movie that's on the Synology or on the QNAP or on the whatever. Yeah. And it will then play. And that that's like, yeah. that's not quite Netflix, but it's close. I guess I, w- I would need to see the long tail on this. Do you see your kids in 10 years embracing this and it's still existing in that form? And it's like, God, well, no. I, I laid this groundwork <laughs> and now they get to benefit on all 15 of our TVs in our mansion. And <laughs> like, it, is, is it a case of pre-optimizing for a, a situation that's never going to happen? <laughs> I'm positive that that's what it is. <laughs> but but the, it, it just also... If I'm admitting that this is a short-term solution to a trivial first-world problem, or sorry, I don't like to say that, to a champagne problem of like, oh, how am I going to organize all these DVDs we own? <laughs> like, if I'm admitting that this I'm is not a, getting off the couch, <laughs> yeah, it's a dumb solution to a dumb problem. Then why do I even have these DVDs? And don't get me wrong, the last time we moved, or two times before that, or something, we we shucked a whole bunch of stuff you know a bunch of books that nobody was reading a bunch of movies um i haven't really gotten rid of any games in a long time but i don't have a gigantic game library but this is i'm realizing more and more that what i want is what i think you and i always say we want which is i want to mash my meat hook on a button and i want whatever it is i'm after to be streamed to me 
whether it's a, a, a novel or a movie or music or whatever, like just don't make me own things. <laughs> Since we don't really own the digital ones anyway. Yeah, it's fine. I just, I'm, I've made my peace with the contract, but you know what? Talking through this, thanks for the therapy session. here. <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to move the crucial stuff off of my pointless server. I'm going to transfer my backblaze license to this Mac and then I'm going to slowly start deconstructing that. Might be time to try a Synology or QNAP. The only reason I say I might try that route is because uh, there's a very low monetary cost because I already own the hard drives. The hard drives yeah. is where all the money goes, and I already have those. They're sitting in this stupid machine <laughs> with the buzzing fan. <laughs> <sighs> I could see it, a little power light over there looking at me. It's like HAL 9000 if he had no power and no ability to defend himself. <laughs> He'd be like, Dave, what are you doing? No I'm misguided attempt to finish a mission. Yeah, none of that. And you you are, I guess, before I completely convert to your, your way of doing things, you are happy with your way of doing things? Yeah. Do you Since ever... I have a desktop and it's just asleep powered on all the time, it's convenient because I'm not... Like I, I might question if I was in your situation of work machine travels a lot might be a mm. little more obnoxious. But if, I mean, that's for your own evaluation. Yeah, I mean, there's multiple profiles and I could always, Susan's computer, which she uses for work, but is owned by our household. So then I was like, okay, well, all the backup stuff is on your laptop, which just sits there plugged in all the time and functions like a desktop. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's still a small amount of this to pull out, but uh, I, I think the long and short of it is it's I'm gonna I'm gonna take the server out behind the barn and you don't need a desktop OS running your backup. <laughs> No. Well, and this is why the whole thing with like a Synology or a QNAP or a Western Digital thing, my my ultimate frustration with those devices is they all run a tiny version of Linux, right? They all that's how they function. Just like your router runs Linux and your toaster yeah, probably runs Linux. Devices. Yeah, every, everything runs a tiny version of Linux and you cannot install Backblaze for one on Linux at all and for two, uh, some of these you can't really get into the operating system proper. So, so you're saying someone should invent a smart hard drive. No, I'm waiting <laughs> for a few of our listeners who use CrashPlan to say, oh, you can install CrashPlan headless on those devices and it works. But I like Backblaze. Like I'm really happy with the way their service performs. So I'm not falling all over myself to switch back to CrashPlan, which admittedly is me handicapping my ability to solve this problem. <laughs> but if I'm going to trust a company to back up all my stuff, like I need to... I need to have good vibes toward that company, right? That's fair. Mm -hmm. <sighs> How is this still this complicated? I feel like I'm dealing with this exact same problem that I was dealing with 10 years ago. It's the off-site thing. And so you either run software that sends it to someone else or you co-locate with a company, your <laughs> own thing, or you manually have hard drives you travel with that you deposit there was a time that I actually, and I'm sure there are still people who do this, but I had friends who had hard drives in safety deposit boxes and and DVD RWs that they would 
burn. Oh man, you know, burning. That was such a depressing form of backup. Right. But they would burn, you know, like photos from their wedding or their, you know, kids' first steps or whatever, and they would drive them to a bank and put them in a safety deposit box. Just like, huh. I mean, I guess things have gotten better from there, but there's still <laughs> a lot of mental overhead. And really, the thing that is so frustrating about all this is uh, if I do rip all this media, which let's face it, I'm probably not gonna, but <laughs> if I do rip all this media, I don't want to have to back all that up. I don't care. I just don't want to lose all of my photos, right? You know, like I have yeah. photos of my kids and, and like sensitive documents that are encrypted and things like that's what actually needs to be backed up. Everything well, else is just like, eh, it'd be annoying if I lost this. Didn't Backblaze start a beta of a new, like, this is stuff you want to save but don't need to regularly access, uh, cold storage kind of stuff? Pretty sure um, they did. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, B2 fact, cloud storage. It's probably built on Amazon's cloud storage. Or no, they do their own data center. It's point zero zero five cents a gig per month. Yeah, Amazon has something almost exactly like that. Called they compare it to Glacier. S3 and Azure, but for a fourth of the cost is what they that's, say. That's actually not a fair comparison because Amazon <laughs> has a service exactly like that called, I think, Glacier. Okay. Uh, no, I yeah, they up. don't compare it to Glacier. They compare it to S3. Yeah, because it's not like S3. It's like Glacier. <laughs> Marketing. Marketing. Trust I mean, there, there may to be compare prices. <laughs> there may be other ways it is more like S3 than Glacier, but whatever. Now we're really starting to split hairs. But I mean, that might well, be something yeah. that is actually what I I need. You get command line and APIs. But do I get a little client that backs Yeah, up there's a web more? client. Okay. Yeah. Ooh. All right, research to be done. And <laughs> I'm sure everyone will be riveted to find out how I solve this problem. We'll put the link in the show notes, which you can find at sunriserobot.net slash flipping table slash 110, which you're going to say again soon. That might win the award for <laughs> latest mention of the show notes <laughs> in the episode. How do we not mention them earlier? I don't oh, you know, know what? I mentioned the show notes, but I didn't say the URL. Man, we're just hanging on for dear life there. All right. Any other comments about any of this stuff? Uh, no, I'm good. All right. Uh, you can find the show notes for this episode, as always, at sunriserobot.net slash flipping table slash 110 for this episode. Um, if you like what we're doing and you want to maybe do some things to support us, there's a few different ways you can do that. Uh, some that don't involve money, or you can reach out to us on Twitter. We both love feedback. You can find me at Lions in Beta and Mike, you are? Pseudo Michael, S-U-D-O Michael. And uh, you can always go on to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. And I wouldn't say that one's completely free because it does mean you have to open iTunes. But for that commitment <laughs> of your time, uh, you help other people find the show. You help it surface in search results. So that's actually a, a huge help uh, to rate any of the shows. And you can always find those links, too, at sunriserobot.net slash support. There's direct links to all the, uh, the iTunes listings i don't even know you would yeah. call it they now open listings. in your browser but you still have to click the open in itunes button before you get to leave reviews because apparently the web isn't a thing apple cares about they, they really don't but this is why we appreciate it so much when people do it because it helps a lot and you have to deal with itunes um you can subscribe as well in itunes or whatever your podcatcher of choice is i'm still using pocket Cast, and mike i believe you're still on uh, overcast yep 
And then if you want to spend a couple bucks, maybe support us a little more directly, you can do that on Patreon, patreon.com slash sunrise robot. And depending on the rate you support us at, you might get your name shouted out at the end of the show or all of our shows. So with that, I want to give a special thanks to Matt Mariner, Sean Byrne, Benji Robinson, Smartbrush Cunningham, Carolyn Kraut, Cliff Lyons, Ido Abramovich, and Justin Edwards. We love you all so much. Could not do it without you. So much love. See you next week. Thank you.